kind of gave you a, 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 a clue to what this message is going to be today. Um, and the Holy Spirit by our side. Um, I told you I don't choose these songs at random. Uh, so, uh, but today we're looking at the Holy Spirit by our side. Just to give you an idea of the journey, we've, we've, last week we looked at part one, which was a kind of introduction into the Holy Spirit. Uh, part two is by our side. This is uh, looking at the period when Jesus was teaching the disciples about the Holy Spirit. So this is just before he was arrested, uh, and just then as he was arrested, uh, he's teaching to the disciples about what the Holy Spirit will do uh, when he ascends to the Father uh, and when he's going to send him. Uh, but really, this is just getting into the, uh, the things that Jesus mentioned um, about uh, the Holy Spirit to the disciples. And really what we're looking at are probably three things here. Is Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit. We look at the role of the Holy Spirit that Jesus talks about and then Jesus preparing the disciples for the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and what we start with uh, is our uh, verse. Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit, and what we start with is our verse, John 14, 15 to 17. And it says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Uh, this message is uh, pretty much in John. We're, we're sticking in John for the whole time, uh, and we'll, we'll bounce around a little bit. Uh, but actually, we're also uh, going to learn some more Greek words, if you're okay with that. Uh, and but they're, they're great. Um, they're words that actually have a lot of different meanings, uh, different words, and we'll, I'll show you all those as we go through them. Uh, but if we we look at the first one, there's this word uh, that is mentioned here. Uh, the title of the sermon really is by our side, and par- paraclete is the the way you uh, pronounce this term, paraclete, as it's spelt really. Um, but it means these things. It means comforter, counsellor, advocate, friend, and helper, uh, amongst many other different uh, translations actually as well. But these are just a taste of what uh, Jesus was saying when he said that the, the Spirit will be is with you now, is is by your side. Uh, and then we talk about a different, a different word next week about the, the spirit within us. So really what we're talking about is this, this meaning here is talking about the, the comforter who is by our side at the moment. And this is what Jesus is, is teaching his disciples. And the word can't be easily translated into English with a single word uh, that probably cover, covers the breadth of meaning. So that's why we've got multiple meanings to this word. There's not one word that would do it. And so uh, these actually come from different versions of the Bible as well. You'll see this in different, uh, the NIV, the, the King James, and the Message, the New Living Translation, all sorts, and you'll see these different words put in this, this particular verse here uh, to describe the Holy Spirit. But in our, for our sermon, for our message, we'll use the word helper uh, because it, it's probably the most closest uh, that describes uh, the Holy Spirit in this way uh, and in this particular context. The verb for uh, paraclete in Greek is, uh, I'll, put, I'll put how you pronounce it underneath, okay? Parakalel, parakalel. This word means call to one's side. Uh, and it can also mean uh, to urge strongly. I think I'm just going to see if I've got it on there. No, I haven't. Uh, it can also mean to uh, urge strongly 
appeal, to urge, to exalt, encourage, make a strong request for something, implore, uh, comfort, encourage, cheer up, cheer up, and perhaps uh, maybe be friendly, speak in a friendly manner. Uh, so it has, again, many meanings. But uh, for this particular context, uh, the word, uh, most people agree, it's probably uh, called to one side. Uh, so this is why our message today is about the Holy Spirit being beside us in this context, just before Jesus uh, ascends. So we, they can't be both in the same place in the sense they can't be both separate. The Holy Spirit is within Jesus. That's why he does his miracles. That's how he has the power to do all these things. So at the moment, it's Jesus when he says, you know him, he is here with you, he'll be within you when I go. So he's with them because the Holy Spirit is in Jesus at the moment. Does that make sense? He's with them, he's by their side at this point. So Jesus uh, introduces the helper. And this is really important to understand in the verse we've read uh, in John. Firstly, Jesus makes a statement that the Father will send another helper. This tells us that the disciples already have a helper in Jesus. He's already there. Uh, the Holy Spirit is indwelling in Jesus. He is able to perform the miracles because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says he's the present helper who is with them. And we know this because Jesus says the present one you already know. So actually, when he makes that statement, he's saying you already know him because I am here and, I, and the Holy Spirit is in me as I do my ministry at the moment. So he's saying you know him, but you kind of will have a different relationship with him when I go, when I ascend to the Father. He'll be within you, which will be entirely different for the disciples. And Jesus seems to be saying that his own person in his own person, they have experienced the help of living or abiding with them uh, at their side. But when the Father sends the Holy Spirit, this helper will be within them, uh, as it says in the verse. So the Trinity is indwelling the believer through the Spirit. The Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is within, will go into the believer, as we'll see later on next week within Acts, uh, as they wait for the Holy Spirit to come. But Jesus has been their helper so far. Uh, he's been... Uh, guiding them, teaching them how to be effective disciples for him. Uh, they kind of get this sense at the moment that he's not going to go away, uh, that Jesus has come now and he's going to be with them forevermore. And we know that because when we read about the disciples, they have, a, they have a real trouble understanding why Jesus has to go. Uh, they, they struggle every time. And he makes so many hints during his ministry that he won't be there all the time. And yet they still don't want to accept uh, this statement that he makes. And it, it really comes down to a, a moment that we'll look at where it's probably it's, it's as clear as it can be. But he's been helping them uh, and the Holy Spirit will come, as he says, and it will replace Jesus, as it were, as the interior presence. Uh, the Holy Spirit will be present within his disciples and those that believe in him, always with them to guide them and, uh, and instruct them. So at this point we understand in what Jesus is telling the disciples is that from a certain point of view, a new helper will arrive. Not in the same form of Jesus' presence, which is why he doesn't, they don't understand what he's saying. When he says, I, I'm going to go, you know me, but it's going like, to be slightly different from what you know now. There's not going to be a, a physical presence of me. So the Holy Spirit will come and communicate and tell you all the things that I've told you and continue to teach you. So what is this role of the Holy Spirit? What is Jesus teaching the disciples? What will this new helper do? And we see this in a few verses ahead in John. Uh, John 14, 
25 to 26, says, All this I have spoken while still with you. You see little hints while still with you. They're little hints that he drops just to try and help them along before, and they still don't get it. They still, they still get shocked by the fact he's going to go. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, is sent by the Father in the name of Jesus. Now when he says this, when he says in the name of, it appears to suggest that the Spirit is Jesus' personal emissary. He is a person sent as a representative on a special mission. And when you start having this, this idea of, we kind of look on, on, uh, from the point of view after you know, Jesus ascended and we think we've got Holy Spirit dwelling in us, that's great. But I love this part because it actually describes in more detail the power of the Holy Spirit. It actually describes what the Holy Spirit is there to do. And I love that phrase. That, that meaning, a person sent as a representative on a special mission, is a, is a dictionary meaning of emissary. A special mission. The Holy Spirit that dwells within us that we look at next week, we're on a special mission for God. We're not just here to have a nice feeling about things. It's actually to go on a special mission. Believe in him, he's going to send you. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, he says, will teach and remind the disciples of all the things that Jesus has taught. And at this stage, Jesus has been uh, the disciples' rabbi and teacher for quite a while, um, but now the Holy Spirit will take over this function, he says. He'll continue to teach them in Jesus' teaching. And the disciples often misunderstood what Jesus said and did but when the Holy Spirit comes, he will help them remember so they can understand and interpret correctly for the church what Jesus had taught them. What's interesting about the role of the Holy Spirit in teaching is that the Holy Spirit doesn't bring a new revelation of his own. He doesn't bring new teaching. Does it make sense? The reason why that's important is because the Holy Spirit isn't, he's a, he isn't doing it on his own. He isn't come and he says, here's a new revelation. What Jesus promises, he says, there's, as we'll find, he says there's not a lot of time left. So what the Holy Spirit will do, he'll come and he'll continue to teach you in, in me and who I am. He'll continue to teach. He won't stray from the script. He won't do another version of the gospel. He'll continue to teach who I am and who you are in Jesus. Not a new teaching of his own. This we can see in John 16, verse 13. He says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He doesn't speak on his own. He speaks from the Father, from Jesus as well, from, from, from effectively two of them, from God himself. And he teaches uh, them continuously in who Jesus is. Yeah, he doesn't speak on his own. This is really helpful, actually, because when we talk about false teaching, this is where the Holy Spirit comes into play. We don't need to have theological degrees in, in knowing what the Bible is. The Holy Spirit is there to bring correction to us, to teach us what's right from wrong in his truth, in his gospel. He doesn't teach anything different, for that would probably confuse us. 
Well, hang on, Jesus didn't say that, but I feel the Holy Spirit is saying something different. It doesn't say that. It says the Holy Spirit will continue to teach exactly what Jesus taught. And he'll remind you also of what Jesus taught. And we need that every day, don't we? We need to remember what Jesus taught the disciples and what we read in the Bible. So rather he represents Jesus and makes Jesus' teaching clear. Jesus did and said the same thing about himself. Jesus represented the Father and made the Father's teaching clear. John 7, verse 16 to 17, Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me, not his own. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. You see the pattern? You see how God doesn't change his behaviour. That's, that's how it works. He continually keeps to who he is all the time. And he says, it won't be of my own. So if Jesus isn't teaching from his own, but teaching from the Father, the Holy Spirit has no authority either to teach from his own. He teaches from Jesus. You see, you start seeing this connection. If you're ever confused about the Trinity, this will help us to understand the link between them. So what we see is this relationship developed between the three persons of the Trinity. Jesus teaches from the Father and the Spirit teaches from Jesus. So the Bible tells us that the Spirit will not only teach the disciples about Jesus, but will also testify about Jesus. Uh, this is why we say when we come to church, we're not here just to receive a load of teaching. We're not here just to store it all up and then go home and do nothing with it. It says the Spirit will testify to Jesus. And as we'll see next week, what you'll find is if the Spirit, you accept the Spirit's teaching, the Spirit that also testifies, then we must also testify of Jesus. There has to be an acceptance of the Holy Spirit who lives within us so that we will go and testify of who he is. The Holy Spirit doesn't force us, but we're willing to accept that he will testify and we testify through the Holy Spirit. John 15, uh, 26 to 27, uh, says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. See how he's interlinking the two. You know, Jesus is talking about this, this, this idea, this principle, that the Spirit is in him. You know him because I've been here. I've been with you all this time. And you'll still know the Holy Spirit because he'll come back and he's the same Holy Spirit who is within me doing the miracles. He says, you must also testify for you've been with me from the beginning. I like the way Jesus leaves no excuse. There's no gap in the middle to go, ah, I didn't know that. He says, yeah, but you did know that because I was here. I was right in front of you, teaching you all the time. And the Holy Spirit will do exactly the same thing when I send to the Father. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, is sent by the Father in the name of Jesus. That is the uh, wrong one. The Spirit's function of testifying about Jesus is closely related to reminding the disciples what Jesus taught. And this is where we learn another word, a Greek word. Martyreo. I've not said it in the, in the accent that you need to say it with. Martyreo. Martyreo. It's something like that. It's martyreo. Because it is, it's this EO. If you try and say it in an English accent, this is what you get. 
Marty Rayo. Yeah, this is what <laughs> that sounds. But that's the kind of pronounce how to pronounce this word, this Greek word. What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? It means to uh, confirm. It's not the one. I might have it on here. I'm hoping. Yep. It means to confirm or attest something on the basis of personal knowledge or belief. Bear witness, be a witness, and offer testimony. So the Spirit presents Christ's case for him before the believers and the world. The way the Spirit does that is described here in our verse that we read. And you must also, uh, you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus reminds the original apostles that they must testify also to tell what they know from personal experience. See, it's all connecting up now. How do you become a disciple of Jesus? The Holy Spirit will teach you, and in that teaching will testify, and so you will testify because the Holy Spirit testifies. That means we need to find and really connect with the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. So though we're not eyewitnesses of the historical, uh, of, of Jesus on the time when he was on earth, um, we must bear witness of what Jesus has done in our lives. Our personal experience is vital in people coming to know who he is. The fact that Jesus allows this, this personal story of, of sin and fallen nature and then to speak of him afterwards as a gift. You're allowed to speak of him in the same in the personal experience, I was a sinner. I did these. I recognised I was a horrible person. I recognised that these things were not honouring God, and I recognised that Jesus Christ died for my sins. That is a testimony of the Holy Spirit, and this is done by the indwelling of the Spirit, which we're looking at next week. But Jesus' description of the Holy Spirit gives the disciples a glimpse of what is to come. The Holy Spirit is not a lesser version of Jesus in His power. After all, we learned that Jesus done his miracles, did his ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Holy Spirit as well. So then, Jesus prepares the disciples. This preparing of the disciples is vital in as much as Jesus tells them of what happens to him. And this is the point where they really get it. They don't want to get it, but they get it. They start to understand he's going, isn't he? He's, he's not going to be here with us forever. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And if you were hearing this, you'd probably think, something's not right here. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem like he's going to be here in, a, in, a, in his current form forever. He's not going to just be walking around with us forevermore on earth. So they start to get an inkling that something maybe is, is, is not as they perceived it. And in John 16, verse 6 to 7, it gives us the most clearest uh, statement yet of what's going to happen. He says, Rather you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
The disciples are confused. They're grieving to hear about Jesus, uh, Jesus' imminent departure, that he's leaving. But Jesus tries to console them with the truth that this will be for their own good. He tells them he's going to the cross. Being raised from the dead is God's plan for the disciples. Redemption and that of the whole world. The Holy Spirit will be poured out on them after Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection and ascension to empower his disciples for ministry. And yet, they're still stuck in the grief of the moment. And the disciples don't understand until much later on uh, God's timing in sending the Spirit was much anticipated. But it was all about God's timing. Jesus had to be glorified first. John 7, verse 39 says, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. The Holy Spirit will not only guide, encourage, and teach, and remind them, as Jesus had done, but he will empower them also. John 14, verse 12 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. So gracious of Jesus to keep trying to reassure his disciples, you're going to do so much more, not nothing new. Remember, I did some teaching on this some time ago. This, someone might dispute this, doing greater things is a number of things. It's not different things to Jesus. What Jesus acknowledges here, he says, I've basically been on earth for three years. You'll do more than that because you'll be on earth longer. Yeah? So what he talks about here is actually a number. He talks about the number of things will be greater. Not new things that he hasn't done that Jesus has never done because that would be not the gospel. (laughs) But he says you will do greater number of things because you will be here to share the gospel. And with the Holy Spirit, you'll do a greater number of these miracles. You will do the healing. You will do, for the power of the Holy Spirit, the will of the Father, who decides whether that's going to happen, who tells the Holy Spirit, do that. He says, you'll do a greater number of these things. And with this, we start to understand that the Holy Spirit isn't only for the disciples, but so the Spirit who will dwell within them will have power to convict the world. And he goes on, John 16 Verse 8 says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. When he says prove him wrong, when he says he'll convict, these are again the the different words you'll get in different translations. Convict, prove wrong, convince, reprove, to bring a person to to the point of recognising wrongdoing. Convict and convince someone of something. Point something out to someone. This word in particular uh, of conviction uh, appears 18 times in the New Testament and each instance having to do with showing someone their sin. Conviction of sin. Usually as this sort of summons to repentance. Bring someone to their knees. But in glory of God. Oswald Chambers, he wrote this, he said, Conviction of sin 
is one of the rarest things that, that ever strikes a man. It is the threshold of an understanding of God. Jesus Christ said that when the Holy Spirit came, he would convict of sin. And when the Holy Spirit rouses the conscience and brings him into the presence of God, it is not his relationship with men that bothers him, but his relationship with God. It is not our relationship with each other that will bother us. Conviction brings out a, a, a concern, a worry, a, something you've never felt before in our relationship with God. Conviction is, is so powerful that it's not about this relationship between us that suddenly my presence in this world is more than just an accident. <laughs> as you would have believe, Or that it's lucky that we're here. There's no luck about it. It is creation of God himself, creation in God himself. God who created the earth, created the heavens and the earth. God who created his people, God who had a purpose for every single person that would come to him and accept Jesus in their life. The Holy Spirit is at work in the salvation of every person. And this is what theologians call prevenient grace, sometimes known as common grace as well. Prevenient grace is God's active grace was a person prior to salvation. This is the grace that exists before we become Christians. The only way we're able to function and live without being a Christian is because of this. It is temporary and it's for a certain time. We're living in this time of prevenient grace. This is the period of prevenient grace. So God allows this decision, this action to be made. Will I believe in God, or will I refuse him? This is the time of grace to make that decision. And how does he convict? How does he do that? through miracles, through prophetic words, through preaching and testimony, through righteous living, through instruction and prayer. And by now, with Jesus' impending arrest, his disciples are on an emotional overload. They're confused, frightened, not in a state to comprehend the truth Jesus is teaching them. So Jesus promises that the Spirit will explain all to them in due time. It says in John 16, 12 to 13, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Give you some context of that verse. In verse 13, Jesus promises his disciples that the spirit of truth will guide them into all truth. And this word guide, uh, it literally means uh, to assist. Assist someone in acquiring information or knowledge. Lead, guide, conduct. Maybe we've overlooked the power of the Holy Spirit until we've understood what Jesus was trying to explain to his disciples. Maybe we've not fully understood the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us today. The same Holy Spirit lives in us today. No different. The Spirit doesn't just impart this 
cognitive knowledge, this sort of worldly knowledge and truth. He leads us into relationship. Paul prays this in Ephesians 1, verse 17. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The Spirit reveals Christ to us and draws us into a deeper relationship with him. The Spirit, Jesus explains, won't be teaching us new doctrines. Rather, he'll be reminding his disciples of what Jesus has already taught them. The Spirit will listen to Jesus and relay this to us. Just as Jesus listened to the Father and relayed that to his disciples and only spoke what the Father told him to say, so Jesus relays to the Holy Spirit. His teaching. The Spirit will not speak of his own. Speak of the teaching of Jesus. Both Jesus and the Spirit will speak the Father's words to us. And we may not have the task of the first apostles who help lay the, the foundational doctrine of the church, but we still seek to understand the word of God accurately. The Holy Spirit is there to help us, to guide us to understand the meaning of God's word. It's by no means a light switch. It's by no means something that just comes to you. It might be, there might be revelation in a moment, but I, I would say that God puts you on a little bit of a journey, doesn't he? When you read something and God just gives you this verse, you go, what on earth? Why? What's the meaning of this? Holy Spirit. Pray, Father, through your Spirit, teach me what this verse means. Why are you showing me this verse today? Why are you telling me to read this book of the Bible today? So today, we as disciples of Jesus should be encouraged to call on the Holy Spirit. The reminder, the explainer, the guide into all truth to assist us in accurately understanding the Father's words to our heart. So as we go forward next week, we'll look at how we engage with the presence of the Holy Spirit and our present relationship with him as Christians. And Jesus explained to the disciples, uh, and he says, hey, uh, you know him, but he'll come and dwell within you now. He won't be, as I am, standing that side of you and guiding you. He'll be dwelling and guiding from within you. And if you've ever read Acts, you start getting, you see the power of the Holy Spirit in his disciples unleashed among the nations. As you see his disciples go out and teach to all the people with boldness. I always wonder when I, when I look at that verse, when I look at uh, the upper room, which we'll look at also next week, I just wonder, how did they wait? How did they wait? They were so eager to go out. I want to I tell everyone about Jesus. Wait. Because your words would be your own words. When the Holy Spirit comes, you'll speak his words. And the Holy Spirit will speak Jesus' words. We'll look at that next week. Exciting stuff. Let's pray and then we'll say the blessing together. Father, we want to thank you that we have the presence of the Holy Spirit here today, uh, that the Spirit dwells within us, uh, that he's not following us around like a puppy, 
but actually like a, he is living within us, Father, that we have him present today, that we can engage, that we can ask for guidance in your teaching, your word. Help us understand, Father, how to make more of this relationship we have through your Holy Spirit. Lord, reveal to us the depth and the power of the Holy Spirit that can convict the world of sin and bring them to a truth and love and hope in Jesus Christ. Father, help us understand this week that we have a guide from Jesus Christ who gave us the Holy Spirit, the same power that conquered the grave, the same power that healed, the same power that brought miracles. Father, help us to learn more about how to ask the Holy Spirit for his guidance, for what he wants to do in our lives, for what Jesus instructs him to do. Lord, we thank you for this revelation of world. We thank you for the truth of your Bible. Lord, be with us as we go forward this week, as we encounter people. Lord, will you help us to call on the Holy Spirit when we need to share a word with someone, when we need to defend your word, when we need to speak about who you are. Father, let us speak in the Holy Spirit. We ask all these things. Amen. Thank you, thank you.